Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Pet Photographers Club. This is Caitlin of Ragmuffin Pet Photography and as you may or may not know if you listened to last week's episode, Kirsty and I are currently in our mid-season break. So we've wrapped up season one and we're in the midst of preparing everything for season two, but we didn't want to leave you guys all hanging. So here is a little bonus episode for you all and it's a good one. I recently had the opportunity to speak with Robert Gerrish, the best-selling author and brains behind Flying Solo, which is Australia's largest community of micro-businesses and host of the Mallow Brick Road podcast. He's an absolute wealth of knowledge, so I was super excited when he agreed to allow me to pick his brain all about his experiences in the world of publishing. Now, between wrapping up my latest book, Tales of Adoption, and the lead-up to the launch of my self-publishing for photographers program, this chat was absolutely invaluable. We hit record before we started speaking and I figured you guys might as well listen in because Robert shares some awesome, awesome content. So without further ado, let's dive in. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming on board. I do feel like the world of publishing in general, whether or not it's on your own or with a publisher, yep. can seem super super daunting to the outsider so i'm sure. really appreciative of you that's okay so you how far through your own book are you i'm probably about three quarters of the way through so i'm just starting to wrap up all the photo shoots for the book so my background is as a photographer i've published several self-published several books in the past and the whole way that they work is um people sign up to do photo shoots and then mm. I work with those clients and then we publish a book at the end and usually it's a fundraising thing. So because I've been using this strategy for five or six years now quite successfully, there's been quite a few photographers over the years who've been asking me basically how I do it successfully and make it a marketing strategy as well as getting the book out, that sort of thing. So I'm in the midst of creating this course and then hopefully after that an ebook that will go along with it and it's all a big thing, but basically, um, that's sort of why I wanted to chat to you today because it'd be really great to hear sort of your experiences with publishing because obviously I, I have one route that I've been using over these, these years, but it's been really good chatting to other authors and working out how they either self-publish or they're publishing with traditional houses, that sort of thing. But before I dive too deep, get too ahead of myself, I'd love to know from, I guess, your point of view, what your background is, who you are, how you got to where you are today, because it's pretty impressive so sure okay so um yeah, yeah i should warn you that um that's a dangerous thing to invite me to talk about <laughs> myself. but look i'll give it to you in a nutshell so i came i moved to australia from the uk in uh the, the mid 1990s and i the reason for coming across to australia is i basically took a year out i was working in the sort of um design marketing and design industry in the uk <laughs> Uh, we built a business there and we sold it to one of the big ad agencies, Saatchi and Saatchi. And I was, you know, in my late 30s, 
uh, footloose and fancy free and just (laughs) kind of thinking that there's more to life than uh, living in London forever. You know, I'd had 20 years in London. It was pretty full on, um, you know, big jobs. And um, I was exhausted, basically. So I took a year off, thought, right, bugger it. I'm going to take a year off and go and have my gap year that I never had. Um, (laughs) So I ended up... um, in Australia, I spent a year sort of traveling around the world and came here, had some good friends here and pretty well instantly fell in love with Australia. Um, just loved it. Just thought, what is this? You know, they all speak English and they look <laughs> English, but they're smiling, um, you know, and I just, yeah, I just loved Australia immediately. And um, at that time, and it's pretty well the same now, if you came from the sort of uh, marketing and design industry in the UK, you were, you were, you know, it wasn't difficult to get a job, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up um, being offered a job by a big design group in Sydney. And so I, you know, just up sticks and, and came to live here and absolutely loved it. Um, didn't enjoy the job too much, didn't enjoy the people I was working with too much. So after about a year of that, I thought, you know, I came over here for a change of lifestyle and basically all I've got is a big job um, with a company in Sydney, which, you know, okay, the sun's shining, but I'm never outside because I'm always working. <laughs> so I knew it wasn't right. So I, I decided to leave. So I quit. And at that point or about that time, I'd met um, Jane, who's now my darling wife, um, and she's a Sydney cider. And we'd sort of, you know, so we got together quite late in life. I was over 40 then and Jane was nearing 40. And um, we both sort of decided, right, if we're going to, you know, get together and be serious about life, we want to change things. We want a nicer life. So Mm -hmm. Jane was a fashion designer, so she closed her business I say quit my job and we decided to design a sort of a life you know a nice lifestyle we wanted to have a child so uh, Jane very quickly sort of got pregnant and um, and that started yeah. happening so you know and I my work initially I was working helping small creative businesses um, just kind of grow so that was I'd come through that industry so that was the work I was doing and um, in the late 90s as we that's where we were up to by then this new thing called coaching was just arriving in Australia Mm -hmm. and I like the sound of that so I sort of um, did some training with an organization that were that were starting off in Australia the first the first people to bring coaching to Australia actually and um and that uh, allowed me to work differently. So I was at this time working from a little home office. In fact, it was a shed in the garden, um, uh, coaching people in largely in sort of creative businesses. And somehow um, ABC Four Corners got to hear about me because they were doing a show on new work practices, new ways of working. And they'd heard of coaching and they did a bit of sort of sniffing around and someone told them about me. And the next thing I knew, I had a camera crew following me for (laughs) about two weeks, which was brilliant. You know, so from being having a nice, small little lifestyle business, I was suddenly on national TV, had a big segment on the show. Jeez, so much for your let's just tone things back and have yeah, a quiet. <laughs> it, was fun. it was funny how it worked. But um, so within a couple of weeks of that show airing, <clears throat> I was suddenly incredibly busy. 
just coaching so many people, which was, you know, kind of make hay while the sun shines. And we had a young child, so I knew that I needed to earn some money. So I basically just worked 24-7 pretty well. And then got to the end of about a month of working like that. And I thought, hang on a minute, this isn't this was not the plan. Um, the idea was to create a nice little lifestyle business. So I sort of pulled all the phone sockets out of the wall and took a few days off and sat down and I put all the people I loved working with in one pile and all the people that I kind of wasn't really resonating with in another pile. And lo and behold, all the people I really enjoyed working with were people like me who were trying to establish lovely little lifestyle businesses, businesses that could allow them to do the kind of work they wanted to do, spend their time with the kind of people they wanted to spend time with and put food on the table. That was basically, that's what I consider a lifestyle business to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So from that day, you know, with a bit of marketing knowledge, I thought, okay, there's, there's a niche here and I need to grab this. So I very quickly registered the name Flying Solo. This was just at the sort of beginning of, you know, domain name registration. Um, I registered Flying Solo. I managed to get a, a slot writing in the Daily Telegraph about running a solo business. And after a few weeks, what seemed like a few weeks of that, um, Alan and Unwin, the publisher, rang me up and said, hey, we like your writing, we like your niche, would you write a book for us? And I went, okay, <laughs> you know, why not? And uh, and I said, what should we call it? And they said, well, we were thinking of calling it Flying Solo. And I, you know, I thought, well, with my marketing hat on, I'd be stupid to say no to that. So mm. I said yes. And um so I wrote that book over the course of the next sort of year. So our son was very young at that point. He's 18 now. Um, but uh, it was quite hard to find the time to write, and you would understand that, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah. And, in fact, I was getting to a point where Alan Unwin rang me up one day and said, look, you know, are you ever going to write this book? What's happening? And, I, and um, I said, well, I've kind of done a bit of it, but I I think I might need help. Are you okay if I get someone to write with me? And they said, we don't care how many people work with you, just write the bloody book, basically. (laughs) And by then I'd um, made friends with a a woman called Sam, Sam Leader, who was a sort of um, freelance writer. And I said, I approached her and I said, look, would you be interested in co-authoring a book with me? You know, I'll be the sort of old established business guy. You're the new startup. We could do it together. And she said, I'd love to. So we did. So we both, we worked really well together. We were kind of buddying up and kind of coaching each other almost. We'd meet every two weeks and look at, I'd look at what she's written and she'd look at what I'd written. And together we wrote the book. And um, and at the end of it, when Alan Unwin published it, uh, we'd had such fun kind of working together. I said to Sam, look, what about starting a little business together? And this was at a time when portals, this is probably before you were even born, Caitlin. <laughs> um, this is the time that portals were the, was the language that was being used. And a portal was basically what today has become a blog um and a portal was just a a sort of a dumping ground for lots of people's articles um and i said why don't we start a portal and we'll see if other people want to write with us as well um so we did and that turned into flying solo so it became you know quite a a big business we then ran that together and we had a, a third partner who joined us we ran that together for 12 years um and uh, meantime, our flying solo, the book, had become a bestseller. So it was um, it was a bestseller in Australia. And 
by the time that was in 2005 that that book got, was published and by about 2008 we were sort of um I don't know if you know, but when you work with a publisher, your book has a kind of has a lifespan, and mm-hmm. it sort of most books, particularly in the business sort of specialist area, they fizzle out after a few years. And ours was at the point where it really wasn't selling very. You know, it sold well for three years, and it was it was just ticking over. So I approached Alan and said, "Look, could we buy the rights back? You know, you're not doing much with it anymore." And um, and they said, "Sure." So they gave us the right back we didn't have to pay any money which meant that it was basically our property again and what we then did is we rewrote the book um, with our third partner peter who joined us and by then we had quite a big community i think we were probably at about forty thousand members or something 30 or forty thousand. so we thought well look we've got quite a big community here let's just self-publish it there's no point giving all the money away to a publisher we've got our own community let's do our own version so that's why we went the self-publishing route um and so we did we um rewrote the book we called it flying solo revisited i think or something um and it was about i don't know maybe 15 percent longer and we'd updated lots of sections and we self-published and we promoted and sold it ourselves online and you know did very well with it because there's a lot more profit in a self-published book mm-hmm. um and so we we did that from 2008 until basically the end of last year we were pretty well I think there's still a few copies kicking around in, in somebody's garage pieces, probably. Um, but that was kind of that was the, naturally the end of it um, at that point. And we used it at events and uh, as membership sort of you know promos for people joining us and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So we used them. We used the book really in a marketing sense. We weren't too worried about selling that many full price books, um, although we did sell a few as well. And then I sold Flying Solo, the business, at the end of last year and coincidentally had just written another book uh, by myself and um, and submitted that to um, Pan Macmillan and happily they chose to publish it. So it's quite interesting. My whole business life in Australia has been kind of literally bookended. So <laughs> I started flying solo when our book launched in 2005 and then I wrote a second book um, you know, a couple of months after I sold the business in, in 2000, well, 2018, the book launched a few weeks ago in June. So, yeah, there's my story. That's quite a story. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and I've got, I'm definitely going to do another book, um, but that'll be, I don't know, probably a year away, I suppose. So, I'd love to know, do you have a process that you now follow with writing the book, having learnt from the yeah, first time? I do, actually. And it's, um, I was hoping you might ask me that because I've, I really love writing books. Um, and I've got some sort of theories around this. The thing, and I was talking to a guy, uh, in fact, I was interviewing him on the Flying Solo podcast a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who runs a really good little niche. He looks after tradies, you know, tradespeople. Um, and I, I was talking to him and I said, when are you going to write a book? He said, oh, I keep thinking about it, but just haven't really got the time. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, how long have you been running your sort of tradey th- sort of specialization? And, and he said, oh, four or five years or something. And I said, and you write articles and things, don't you? And he went, yes. And I said, well, look, just imagine that um, if when we were speaking, some um, book detective stormed into your office and they, and they sort of 
you know, handcuffed you to your chair and they said, right, we're here because we want to have a look through every single thing you've written in the last five years. I said, do you think they'll find a lot of words that are written about your knowledge of the tradie space? And he went, oh, yeah, emails, articles. And I said, well, that there's your book. Your book is, your book is already alive. Your book is already in existence. And that's how I approach things. So when I wrote my latest book, which is called The One Minute Commute, I had a whole lot of articles that I'd written. I had scripts for videos that I'd written. And what I did is I just pulled those all together, literally, like physically. I'm, I'm an old school guy. I was printing things mm-hmm. out. And I printed all the stuff. And I and I, what I started to do fairly early on, I'm a great believer in mind maps. If, are you familiar with mind maps, Kate? Well, yes, I am. But I'd love to hear how you use them. All right. Well, so, well, I think mind maps, the way I use them, I just love them. So what I did is I sat down and went, okay, who is my? Who do I want to write this book for? So I planted the idea of the reader firmly in my mind, and it was a person not dissimilar to you. It was a uh, it was a woman running a lifestyle business. So it was that I really kept the sort of persona of the person clearly in my mind. And okay, what does that person need to know? So then that's where I start with my mind map. Literally, you know, a, a texter and a big blank sheet of paper, you know, and I mapped out what do they need to know. What what are the things they're worried about? What are the things that are confronting for them? And I'm so I basically mapped out on a mind map a rough sort of path that my book would follow. And then with all this stuff that I had in front of me, I then started to put that into each of those sort of sections. So that gives you before long quite a, a albeit fairly rough kind of flow of a book. Right. And so that sort of mind mapping thing is something that you could use I assume regardless of the book that you're writing, it doesn't necessarily have to be a business strategy book. It could be like for the pet photography that that could be me mapping out all my different chapters, that sort of thing. So at this stage, are you beginning to write or what would be your next step after that? Right, so I still haven't really written anything, but I've got the flow kind of appearing. What I then did is I then go through using a Google Doc and I start to map out, okay, section one would be this. And I, you know, this is, I'm sure you're nodding your head having heard all this a million times, but, you know, I'll then go through and I'll, I'll really break out the flow of the book. It's important to me. Before, if, if I haven't got that pretty well nailed, then I don't, I can't begin. So I, I have that flow all sort of clear. And it does change. It changes a lot. But at least I've got it there. It was interesting. I was listening to an author called um, Lee Childs, who's a um, fictional writer who writes the Jack Reacher series. And um, he was being interviewed recently. And, and he doesn't do that at all. He starts with a completely blank Word document. <laughs> and he's got no plan at all. He, off he goes. And, he just, and I think, oh, I couldn't do that. Anyway, so I have my plan there like that what I then do and this works so well for me is I do a lot of I'm I'm a walker I do a lot of walking you know I'm in my early 60s now and I keep reading that standing upright and walking you know means you can live longer I want to live longer Mm -hmm. so I try and stand upright and I walk a lot is I'd uh, have a little dictaphone I wouldn't use my phone I know I could use my smartphone but it's got the annoying habit of ringing so (laughs) I left my phone at home I had a little Sony dictaphone and I'd go off walking and I'd 
babble away into my dictaphone. Um, and just ideas and things, ideas come once you've been walking for about half an hour, then your mind starts to clear. I'd always have a very strong coffee before I left as well. So I'd end up with, you know, maybe 20 or 30 minutes of, of, me babbling into my dictaphone uh, on this particular section. I'd then send that off um, to a transcription service that I used. And then what I'd end up with is I'd have a, a scrappy, uh, you know, section in front of me. And I did that, through, you know, all the way through the book. So what that meant was on my writing days, and I would have a couple of days a week that I would dedicate the bulk of the day to writing. I'd be able to come into my office and I'd have a choice. I could either spend the time um, tidying up some scrappy stuff that Janina had sent back to me. I could um, spend some time researching and developing, or I could go for a walk and f fill up the dictaphone with a new bit. So I had, I needed that. I like to have that variety. It depends what kind of mood I'm in. Sometimes late at night and at weekends, it would be a great time for me to sit there and really polish things you know write edit the wording so that's that's how i went through the whole book and i found it a really enjoyable process you know it's a great thing i think a lot of people when they start a book they think oh my god i've got to write everything it's overwhelming <laughs> yeah and you don't have to do that you know you can say this is what caitlin said in her fantastic book about photographing pets you know and i think that's very relevant in in my area of photographing children yeah. you know you can other authors love to be quoted. There's no harm with it. You know, people like it. So, again, I think the important approach to a book, particularly in the sort of market you're talking about, where people are using them really as a uh, you know business development mm -hmm. tool as much as anything, they're not necessarily ever expecting to sell books and make a lot of money out of books. And if they are, you know, I think they should think <laughs> again. Um, but if you're using it as a marketing tool, then then use it as a marketing tool. You know, don't be afraid to lean on other people and in, invite their contributions, you know. I mean, so many people do. I mean, I don't, I'm a bit tired of them now, but, you know, there's lots of those people that say, oh, will you write a chapter of a book for me? Mm. Um, I fell for that once. I'm never going to do that again. But, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's it's, um, you can still, uh, can, that can be done. You know, you can do that. Or someone can ring up Caitlin and say, Caitlin, can you tell me, you know, how do you handle shooting dogs on poor, you know, bad days? You know, what, what do you do? And they can interview you and then quote you. It's totally fine. Anyway, I'm just babbling on now. No, it's, that's fantastic. One, I think I need to get myself a dictaphone. Yeah, <laughs> um, it does ring true what you're saying about the reality of don't be publishing a book mm. as the moneymaker, yeah. which I feel like a, potentially quite a few people before they're sort of aware of the realities of mm. book publishing, especially yeah. self-publishing, would be mistaken, thinking, yeah. oh, oh, this is fantastic and then I can sell the book for however much and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, definitely I agree with with what you're saying about utilizing it as a marketing strategy. Yeah. And I think that that's something that photographers would be able to benefit from. If you don't mind, I would love to know a little bit more about how you guys used the book that way. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So look, I think, uh, I think you're right. So I think the key thing is before anybody writes anything is they do need to be really clear why am I writing this book and if the answer is I'm writing this book because I want to earn a lot of money from writing a book then I think you need to think they need to think long and hard about that because 
Um, very, you know, our first book, Flying Solo, was an Australian bestseller. We still didn't make any money out of that. Now, you know, that's that was with the publisher. So obviously, the publisher takes the bulk of the money. But even if we'd self-published, it's you know, really, it's it's just it's not a lot of money. And we never intended for our first book to be something that we were going to make money from. But what we wanted it for uh, was to raise the profile for our brand. And it was called Flying Solo. So it did a really good job of that. Um, so, uh, you know, that's the decision I make when I think, okay, do I self-publish or do I try and get a publisher? I knew I was looking to be selling Flying Solo. Um, that was the always the plan. So I wrote this book wanting a publisher. I didn't want to self-publish because I don't have a community anymore. You know, last year I I was sort of you know in charge of a business that had a, a hundred hundred and forty thousand community. Um, now I've you know my mailing list for my newsletter has got a hundred and eight people. I think. Um, you know, so it's a bit different. So I knew that I was not, uh, I needed a book that was done by a, a publisher that would be distributed through airport bookshops and other bookshops and would get me on TV and radio. And that's what's happened. So it's profile raising for this latest book. But yes, to, to answer your question about our middle, uh, our um, revisited book, yeah. so that was the point where we had a sizable community. So the way that we wanted our book, there's two things. Uh, a couple of things. The first thing is we should all remember that the word author comes from authority, right? So when you're an author and authority, they're linked together. So there is nothing, nothing as good as a book to, um, to kind of uh, assert your position and your authority within a space. Um, what we did with our book is we say so we promoted it on our website. So bear in mind, we had a website that was getting 200,000 people a month visiting it. So, you know, that's not a bad shop front to have. And yeah. so we had our book clearly on, you know, on the website, not all at all over it, but it was very clearly there. And it just helped establish us as a brand that was serious, you know, here's our second book. Um, it also meant when we were talking to corporates and most of the revenue we made at Flying Solo was from corporates and government, state and federal government, you know, we could go to meetings and, you know, literally thump a book down on the desk, you know, and people, people don't throw books away. You leave a book after mm -hmm. a meeting, people keep it or they hand it on, or they leave it on their desk. You know, it's really, really valuable. So it opened doors for us. Um, it's, it, it, again, it, it, it helps absolutely assert our authority and we sold copies. So we were selling them, um, on, our site um we also then we had levels of membership and if you became a premium member we'd give you a copy of the book so we use them promotionally we'd run competitions every now and again on facebook um we weren't really doing much on instagram then but on facebook primarily or across our forums we'd say you know top three responses to this question we'll get a copy of our book so we used to use them promotionally quite a lot 
Um, when we ran events, uh, live events, we'd have copies of our books there. That So you buy a ticket for $190 and you leave with a free copy of our right. book as well. You know, So that's the kind of thing that we were doing. Uh, we'd use them as little door prizes for other networking groups. We'd send them saying, that here's a couple of copies of our book if you'd like to use them as a door prize for your events. So we used them prom- promotionally a great deal. And, you know, and we sold some online as well. Oh, absolutely. I think the marketing potential for the books for photographers, for example, is huge. Like you're rattling off competitions there. I'm thinking these are the sorts of books that when we get um, donation requests from charities, which photographers often do, we could be donating our book there. You'd have them on your table at if people do expos, fairs, that sort of thing. Again, going back to that authority thing that you were saying, it lends credibility. The potential is endless there. It's like a giant business card I guess and and the other thing that we did that I did a little bit of was um, I would go around when the co-working spaces were first sort of starting up Mm. and we'd go around and we'd do a little deal with them we'd we'd give them a dozen books uh, and we'd put a little rubber stamp in the front that said you know donated by Flying Solo and we'd and they'd just leave them lying around their um, sort of common areas and things so which actually would be exactly the sort of strategy that like so I'm thinking pet photography here, which is obviously what I am, but, you know, having my book in a vet or a groomer's or wherever and having a donated by Ragamuffin Pet Photography. And I think that's a sort of strategy that a lot of photographers could easily use to sort of start up business partnerships, networking, that sort of thing in their own community. So it's awesome. Um, I do have one last question, if you don't mind i'd love to just know if you have any advice that you could share for people um when it comes to submitting to those traditional publishing houses yeah i would look i would first thing i would say is um is if it, if you start off doing as we sort of suggested there which is to have a think about um you know exactly why am I doing this book, and who's who's going to read it? You know, as I mentioned at the beginning, I had a really clear picture of who my person was. It's it's not too difficult to work out. Okay, how many people are likely to be in this marketplace that might want to read this book? Mm-hmm. And the chances are you can find that out by doing some desktop research. You can also then go to the biggest the biggest bookshops, and you've got some fantastic ones in Melbourne, and have a look. How well is this market in this space? How well are they catered for in today's mm-hmm. bookshop? You know, what I see a lot of in a lot of these bookshops, and all these bookshops are struggling to survive, is a strong emphasis on photographic books, you mm-hmm. know, books with photographs, I mean. I mean, not necessarily books about photography, but, you know, good looking books, books that are easy to read, that have got concepts that are really clear and easy to understand, that are helped a great deal by strong visuals. You know, that's a really popular segment of books. What I would suggest for anybody is understand your market, see how big your market might be. Go and look at how well catered the market is and then then have a look at who are the publishers that are satisfying that market. Who are the people that are writing the books that are the sort of books that your book might fit in with? Now, if you can go through all that, if you go through that whole process and you find out, well, no one's catering for this, the stats show there aren't many people and no publishers are in that space, then to be quite harsh, the chances are you ain't going to get a publisher. 
because mm-hmm. there's not a big enough market. But if you go through that process and you go, actually, there's a gap in the market here. There's a lot of people that are in this space, but it's not being catered for properly. Then you've got a strong pitch, I think, to a publisher. But, you know, have a look at who's in the space and then pitch them. And if you go to their websites, most established publishers, if you dig deep enough, they will have a submission process that's publicized on their website in most cases. And then you submit it. That's what you do. And you have in the meantime you carry on writing, doing the book, assuming they're going to say no, but you you just submit your book and it's you know it sounds easy because it is easy to submit it unfortunately a lot of times you'll get a knockback but if you do get a knockback then you can also say i'm sorry it wasn't suitable for you can you please give me you know in what way didn't it work what is it is the market not big enough is my writing not good enough you know you if you push the chances are you will get an answer to that but i think where a lot of self publishers go a bit wrong is they're not as clever as you are, Caitlin, um, at, <laughs> at absolutely taking a niche and really drilling into that niche. What a lot of people do is they try and be, they think, oh, no, there's a bigger market. Rather than being solo business, I'll be small business. Right. You know, they try and go bigger. And that's the trouble is you go bigger, you, you actually connect with less people. So when I look at solo business, I, I think that's too big a niche now. I would My next book is going to be about purely about creative businesses. So I mm-hmm. want to go smaller. I want to go more niche. Um and that's the thing I think is having the courage to be really niche. Don't be afraid to really niche. Uh, I'm kind of rambling a bit here, but does that, is this any of this making sense? No, no, you make total sense. It's so fantastic to hear you say that. Obviously, as a pet-specific photographer, I'm a big, big believer in the power of niche marketing or niche business, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's really interesting to hear that that would be definitely a benefit when it comes to publishing. I'm sure a lot of the photographers who might be listening to this would be thinking the same thing, whether or not they're, you know, newborn specific or pet specific or children. I don't know. There's so many different niches in the world of photography. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to hear that that does work in publishing as well. Of course it makes sense, but yeah. Anyway, I'm very wary of taking up too much more of your time. Thank you so, so, so much for chatting to me today. It has been absolutely brilliant my brain is buzzing right now all right well look i'm glad it's lovely talking with you and if uh, any of this helps that's great um thanks all right well look you enjoy your day i'm gonna watch your video now <laughs> and uh do you know where i am if i can help again just let Beautiful. me know thank you so much i'm so appreciative so that was my chat with the incredibly generous robert garish i'm sure you can see now why i was so keen to share that with you guys after chatting to him He is just such a wealth of knowledge and I'm so appreciative of him for sharing his own experience with the world of publishing. It's a big old scary world out there. So it's so great to hear it from other people's perspectives. Definitely go check out the Mallow Brick Road podcast. If you're a creative entrepreneur or you're running a lifestyle business, AKA all of you listeners out there, if you are interested in learning more about my self-publishing for photographers program, it really is getting towards the end of it, guys. I know I've been 
chatting about this, or at least it feels like I have been for ages because I've been working my little butt off on it. Um, but it's getting close to launch time. So you can sign up at talesofsuccess.biz and I will let you know as soon as it does launch. And I'm going to put together like a little promo code and stuff to thank the listeners. So sign up if you haven't already and I'll email you as soon as it's done. So that's our little bonus episode for the end of the season. We're now taking two weeks off while we wrap up all the editing for next season stuff. We have some awesome guests as always lined up for you. So hope your pet photography businesses are thriving. Hope you're enjoying the podcast and bye for now. See you guys. <laughs>